reason. In the heat of battle, they usually get blown apart by the incoming shells and become a liability. These guys were lucky. Most warships don't carry enough Kali floats. Going down with the ship is, after all, an established naval tradition. Ten black men off a warship suggested an American cruiser had sunk, which explained the fierce gunfire that had wakened me with a start shortly before midnight yesterday. I'd come ashore the previous evening, a night and a day's sailing out of Batavia. While I could see no fires or smoke rising as a sign of a native village on or beyond the Long Crescent Beach, it made sense to attempt to remain unobserved. It was after sunset and gathering dusk when I slid through the reef passage into the narrow channel made by a muddy creek and into the mangroves beyond. By moonrise I was safely moored, my gaff rig mast protruding only a few feet above the mangroves. Varnished brown, in the daylight it would blend perfectly with the surroundings. The only way I reckoned I could be spotted was by someone coming upstream and passing me directly. While the Flermes was a beautiful boat to sail, the thirty-four hours out to sea had been a steep learning curve for me, and frankly I was exhausted. I was an experienced sailor and familiar with a boat this size, but no two yachts are the same, and all have their own personalities. Like any woman, they take a fair bit of understanding. Besides, a cutter this length was getting close to the capacity of a lone yachtsman to handle. My muscles, grown unaccustomed to the task, aching bones and general weariness were also part of the reason I'd pulled into shore, delaying any attempt to sail through the strait that night, the last day of February. Considering the complete chaos of the Dutch evacuation from Batavia and the imminent arrival of the Japanese invading force, getting through the strait a few days earlier would have been the more sensible thing to do. But doing the sensible thing is not the strongest drive in a young bloke, and there was, I admit, yet another reason for delaying my escape. Piet van Heerden, the Dutchman from whom I had acquired the Flermes, had warned me that a growing section of the native population was becoming increasingly assertive. Gangs of Javanese youths were patrolling the streets of the capital at night. Several whites had been attacked, making it unsafe to be out after dark. He'd indicated the Smith & Wesson in a khaki canvas holster strapped to his waist. Everything she is up the pot, he'd exclaimed. I guess he meant up the spout or gone to pot. The servants, even they are now cheeky. He'd emphatically recommended I get a gun immediately. However, I'd ignored his advice. In the two months I'd been in Batavia, some of the local Javanese had seemed a bit off-hand. But if they were not over-friendly, I'd certainly never felt threatened. There was most certainly an air of restless anticipation among the island people, who, after two and a half centuries under the Dutch colonial thumb, knew their lives were about to change. Many saw the new invaders as liberators, and it was hardly surprising that the mood on the streets had darkened somewhat. Unlike the Dutch colonials, I didn't expect the locals to adopt a servile manner towards me. In New Guinea, I'd always resisted the prevailing notion of white supremacy, and, as a result, had been rewarded with a great many cherished local friends. Besides, carrying a gun strapped to my hip simply wasn't the kind of gung-ho behaviour appropriate to an itinerant butterfly collector. The Dutchman van Heerden was a large, big-bellied man with the sanguine complexion of a big drinker.
He was also bald, but with the bushiest eyebrows I'd ever seen. It was as if the ginger hair he'd lost on top had somehow gathered over his brow to form two untidy thickets above a pair of piercing blue eyes. In the month I'd come to know him, I'd learned that he was didactic, opinionated, confident, in all matters thought himself correct, and was loud in everything he said and did. I'd taken a job as the afternoon barman at a small restaurant, a task I was far from qualified to do. The regular barman, a Javanese man named Ishmael, of long and apparently faithful service, had suddenly gone amuck late one afternoon and attacked two white patrons with the knife he used for slicing limes. Piet van Herden had helped restrain the diminutive Ishmael and afterwards, rather proudly, carried a rapidly healing and superficial cut from the barman's knife that ran the length of his arm from elbow to wrist.